In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence, I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Lord Jesus, these are your words from this Sunday's Gospel, from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus, you tell us, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Beautiful recommendation of our Lord. Very helpful recommendation to address our troubled hearts with trust, to use trust in God, faith in our Lord, in Him and in His Father as a remedy, as a response solution to our troubled hearts. Jesus, my heart is troubled by anxiety. My heart is troubled by worry, my heart is troubled by various kinds of fear. My heart's troubled at times, Lord, by sadness, by certain solitude or loneliness that can creep in. My heart can be troubled, Lord, by guilt, by regret, by looking back on my life and realizing how little I've loved or how little I've accomplished compared to what maybe I could have done if I had done things differently or if I had loved you more, loved others more. And yet, in spite of all that, whether good reasons for the trouble of our hearts or more silly reasons for our hearts being troubled, Jesus says, don't let them be troubled. Don't give in to that. Don't let it dominate you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust in God. Trust in God's plan for you. Trust in God's love for you. Trust in God's power. And trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, Jesus continues. In my Father's house are many rooms. Were it not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Were it not so, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What a tender image, Jesus, that you give us of what you're doing in heaven and how you're longing for us to be with you in heaven. There are many mansions, many rooms in your Father's house, and you're going there and you are there now preparing a place for each one of us. It's an image of great tenderness. We can think of a mother preparing the house for a homecoming of her children, or a mother preparing the house for her son or daughter to come home from college, and she's preparing their room, and she's thinking of them lovingly as she makes the bed and 
washes and the sheets, which haven't been used in a couple of months, and freshens the room up. And as she's doing it, of course, she's thinking of the return of that child who lived with her for those 18 years before going off to college. And now is coming back after the first semester, after three months away or four months or whatever. Or we can think of a spouse, loving wife, whose husband has gone off in the service of his country, in the army, or the navy, or whatever, on a long tour of duty, and now they're coming back, and she's preparing the home and preparing a welcome for him. Perhaps going through his clothes and making sure everything's okay. And as she folds those clothes and freshens them up, She's thinking lovingly of him, doing things slowly and well to prepare for his return. Well, this is Jesus. This is the image that he gives us of each one of us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Our place in heaven is being prepared by our great love, the great love of our life, our Lord Jesus Christ, as a mother prepares the home, or as a spouse prepares the home for the return of of the love of her life, of, of her husband. So Jesus is in heaven, right? Thinking of us. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Lord Jesus, you long for us. You miss us. You want us in heaven with you forever. And you, and you tell us the way to heaven. You know the way where I am going. And Thomas doesn't get it, thank God, because he helps us have another beautiful passage in Scripture. And he's sincere with our Lord. You know the way where I'm going, Jesus says. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. If we, if we long to be in heaven, and we do, Lord, we long to see you as you are, and we do, Lord, and you long for us preparing that place, well, there's only one way to get there. There's only one road to this reunion with Christ in heaven, to this incredible meeting we'll have with our Lord in heaven. And that road, that way, I am the way, is Jesus. It's his will. It's his example. It's his presence in our life and the sacraments. It's our friendship with him and our prayer life. Above all, it's our doing his will, which includes our prayer life and our sacramental life. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And to love you, Lord, to keep your commandment is to have you as the way, to have you as the truth, and to have you as the life. And in that way, Jesus, when you come and take me to yourself, I'll be ready for that, and you'll be able to take me, and there'll be nothing holding me back. There'll be no obstacle between my journey to you in heaven. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth, you know him and have seen him. What an incredible claim of our Lord. No one has seen the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son has revealed him, Jesus says, in another passage, no one has seen the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son has revealed him. 
And here Jesus says, henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Jesus, you show us God, you show us the Father, because you are God. And Philip, thank God, I, I love the uh, the sincerity of the apostles, the daring of the apostles, to ask our Lord these questions and to raise these objections, because they unlock for us Jesus' responses, and Jesus' responses are so helpful, so beautiful for our prayer. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. And so Jesus says, you know the Father and you have seen him. And Philip's like, what are you talking about? We haven't seen God. We haven't seen God the Father. And he wants to see God. And so Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. We want to see God. We want to see the divinity of the Father. We want to see the majesty of God. And given the Old Testament, this is a crazy, this is a crazy request. No one sees my face and lives, God says to Moses in the Old Testament. No one sees my face and lives. And so I can imagine the other apostles, perhaps some of them like uh, shuddering at this request, right? Kind of uh, cringing almost at this request. Perhaps the instinct is to, du- is to duck for cover. Like, what are you asking? You you want us to see God right now? Are you crazy? Well, we'll all die. The vision of God is overwhelming. No one sees my face and lives. Show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. What a daring request. We want to see God. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Very important passage, I think, and very beautiful for our prayer, this time of conversation with you, Jesus. Because Philip is... Philip is thinking about God as we usually do in terms of God's power, in terms of God's majesty, in terms of God's transcendence. And so he says, show us the Father, show us God, show us the majesty, show us the infinite nature, show us the power, show us the transcendence, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, how can you say show us the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And so there's this other and more important and more divine dimension of God, which is the dimension that Jesus reveals to us. And what is that? Well, it's the mercy of God. Seeing Jesus heal the sick, seeing Jesus give sight to the blind, seeing Jesus relieve people of their possession, seeing Jesus free people from death, and seeing Jesus forgive people, seeing Jesus teach people that God is their Father. That is the revelation of what God 
is really like, even more than his majesty, even more than his power, even more than his infinite nature, even more than his being the creator of the world, Jesus shows us the Father. How? Well, by being Jesus, by by showing us himself as teacher, as healer, as super merciful, right? Willing, willing to suffer rather than to cause others to suffer, willing to suffer the consequences of sin rather than to have vengeance for sin, right? willing to take on the sufferings that we deserve uh, rather than to sin at all or hurt anyone, totally in union with his Father's will, selfless for us, humble for us, humbled for us, always trusting, always serving. This is the revelation of God. He who has seen me, Jesus, the Lamb of God, has seen the Father. And this is not to say that God is not awesome and not all-powerful and not uh, infinitely transcendent and not the creator of the universe. Right? All those divine attributes that Philip's like, okay, let's get down to business. Show us God. Hey, show us God. Show us the Father. Yes, the, all that's true, and we will see his majesty, and we will see his glory, and we will see his infinite power. But the thing that's most God about God the thing that's most Father about the Father, we find in Jesus. He who has seen me has seen the Father. You've seen the Father in me, in my love and in my mercy, and also in his power. And Jesus goes on to uh, remind Philip of this. Look, I've, I've shown the power of God. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. And so what are the works that our Lord is referring to? He said, look, believe me that I'm in the Father. Believe me that I show the Father. If not, believe the works, the works that the Father does through me, the works that I do because the Father has given me this mission to do these works. And what are the works? The works of the miracles. The works of the miracles. And the miracles show us that Jesus is not just man. He's not just a creature. He's not just human. He's God because he does things that are beyond the power of human nature, that are beyond the natural law. And so in revealing the miracles, Jesus also reveals that he is God and that he and God are one. Because men can't do the miracles that Jesus did in their own name. And Jesus in his own name commands demons to leave people and they obey him, right? The most disobedient creatures that there are, these demons obey Jesus's word. And Jesus in his own name, right? Under his own, under his own uh, authority, obviously seconding the Father, of course, but he commands people to get up and walk who are paralyzed. He, he, allows people who are blind to see. He gives hearing back to the deaf in his own person. And so Philip's Philip's wanting to see the majesty of God, in a certain sense, Jesus has already shown it to him in the miracles. And yet it's like never enough. Right? If you want to see and you don't trust, it's never enough. 
So Lord Jesus, help us too. We we need to we need to meet God, not just Lord in your mercy and in your forgiveness, but also we have to remember that the miracles show us that Jesus is God and that God is real. The power of God has entered the world in Jesus Christ. And that's an important part of our faith, the the historical reality of the miracles of Jesus. The miracles of Jesus are historical reality and they give a certain reasonableness and force to our faith. We don't believe in myths, as St. Peter puts it. We're not following cleverly devised myths. We're following the historical eyewitness testimony of people who saw Jesus work miracles. And we too have access to the, to, to the power and the majesty of God and not just his mercy in Jesus Christ. Why? Because there are miracles today. We know that it, miracles happen. The, the saints, the intercession of the saints cause uh, miracles, but also just nature, right? Um, the heavens tell of the glory of God. The heaven and earth shows us the majesty of God because God is the creator. Jesus, help us to see you. Help us to see you in the gospel. Help us to see you in your miracles. Help us to see that you're God in your mercy, that you're God in the power you use to reveal yourself as God. And help us to see the Father and you, Jesus, also through creation, that first work of God, that we could say, quote unquote, natural miracle. <laughs> the first work of God is creation. Heaven and earth tells of the glory of God. And that's a little bit tricky because the world is so good and seems so stable and permanent. God has made it so good that in a way the world can be an obstacle to our seeing God. But it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be we look at the, we look at the world and through the world, right, by seeing it as an effect, through the world, we get some glimpse into the beauty and the majesty and the grandeur of God through the beauty of the world, through the wonder of the world, through the intricacy of nature. We get some sense of the intelligence, the wisdom of God, the beauty of God, the power of God who created all of this out of nothing. It's a wonderful world with all the plants and all the flowers in this springtime, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, and all the beautiful sights and sounds and breezes and the wonders of nature. It all comes from God. Lord, help the world to be a window through which I see you, through which I learn about you, through which I learn to adore and worship and love you more. And a window, I think, is a good, is a good image because there's two ways of looking at a window. One way is you can look at the glass or you can look at the window as an object. And so if you see a window from far away, you don't see through the window, you just see the window. Or if you look closely at a window, but you're looking at the glass as such, or at the window panes as such, well, you're not looking through the window. And so looking at the window can be an obstacle for you to look through the window to see what's beyond it, right? What's on the other side of the glass. Whereas if you look at the window in order to look through it, 
Well, then you see what's on the other side of the window. And the world's a little bit like that. When we are in the world and we think about the world, whether our own human nature or nature in general or the the world that we build up um, through our own human industry, we can look at it and stop there and not see God behind it, not see God as the cause of it. Or we can start to learn to look through it. And to look through it is to see God um, behind it and to see God as the source of all the beauty and the richness of the world. And it's still seeing the window. It's not, it's not, not appreciating the window, but it's seeing the window as a portal, as a kind of bridge or means to see beyond the world, to see God. And this is what Jesus says about his works, his, his miracles. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Let the works move you to believe what I'm telling you. And what am I telling you? That I and the Father are one, right? That I revealed the Father. And this whole discourse, Lord Jesus, this passage which we read this Sunday in church in your presence, it all ties together. Jesus telling us in the beginning, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Well, to believe in God is to believe in his mercy, to believe in his power. He who has seen me, the merciful Jesus, has seen the Father. And to believe in God's mercy is to believe in his care for us. And to believe in his power is to believe that his care for us is effective and really works. And that helps us so much when our hearts are troubled to believe that God loves us, to believe that God cares for us, to believe in God's mercy, and to believe that his power is backing up his mercy. It makes it effective, makes it something we can really rely on. Well, that that encourages us and bolsters our ability to trust God and to face our fears and to not be overwhelmed by our sorrows, not to let our hearts be too troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in the power of God. Believe also in me, in Jesus, in your love for us, in the mercy of God. And what brings home to us the power of God and, and therefore the guarantee that his love for us will be effective, that, that he's got enough strength and enough power to love us well, to take good care of us. Well, what guarantees that or what, what strengthens that sense is reflecting on the miracles, reflecting on God's power uh, through the miracles of Jesus or reflecting, in our case, on creation because perhaps we don't have direct access to miracles uh, anymore, or at least personally, right? Maybe we've never experienced the miracle. Maybe we have. But we all experience the wonder of, of creation, which tells about God's power, tells about God's infinite nature tells us that the guarantee of his mercy is real. The God who created everything out of nothing is the same God who loves me, the same God who's going to take care of me in my troubles. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust, believe in God. Trust, believe also in me. Lord Jesus, what's troubling my heart? What's truly on my heart that's troubling? Is it some fear? Is it some worry? 
Is it some sadness? Is it some frustration? Is it some wound to someone who's let me down or hurt me? Lord, help me to address it with trust. Whatever it is, whatever happened, it's part of your plan for me. You're here with me in it. Together with you, and you tell me, Jesus, that you're with me always to the end of the world. Together with you, Lord, I can handle this. I can I can move forward. I can deal with it. You can help me heal from whatever wound or from whatever mistake I made or from something I'm regretting. Your mercy and your forgiveness are enough because you're all-powerful. You are God. You and the Father are one. Lord Jesus, where am I letting my heart be troubled and where do you want me to knock it off? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Where do you want me, Lord, not to let myself be overwhelmed, but to have more hope, to have more peace? Because I see that it's your part of your plan for me. I trust you that you let this thing happen or you let me make these mistakes or you let me have this past. Or right now you're letting me have this thing concern me, this worry. And why are you letting me have it? Well, so I can trust you, so I can meet you, so I can see that you're God, so that I can face this problem and grow in patience or grow in courage or grow in charity by seeing it as a way to love, to love you with my trust, to love others by being strong for them in spite of this difficulty that I'm going through. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We trust in Our Lady this month of May. Such a wonderful opportunity to live abandonment to Our Lady. Trust in Our Lady's intercession. Right, Mothers are a great source of comfort and solace for children because they love and because they're powerful. They, they care and they can do something about their children's problems. And so the child goes to the mother with great confidence in distress because the child is convinced that the mother cares and the mother can and will do something about it. This is God for us and it's also Our Lady for us who is our mother in heaven. And so we go to her too. We fly to her patronage with our troubles, with our worries, with the things that trouble our hearts. And we go as little children with this great sense that she cares and she will do something and she's powerful before God and so she can do something. Believe in God, believe also in me. And Lord Jesus will also add, we trust your mother. We trust your mother because she's your mother and our mother too. Behold your mother, you said to St. John and through him to all of us. Behold your mother. Our Lady, our mother in heaven, our hope, pray for us. Help us to trust in God, to trust also in Jesus, and also to trust in you, to trust in your motherly care in this month of May. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord. My guardian angel, intercede for me.